I'm Dr. Felicia Mebbin, and this is Health Healing and Hampton Roads. Today's topic is student success, but perhaps not the way you think. I mean, first of all, you might be thinking, why student success when the name of the show is Health and Healing? We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about that with my special guest, Afia Moore. Hi, Ms. Moore. Hi, how are you? I am very good, thank you, and very excited to have you as a guest today. It's good to be here. Thank you. So let's start by saying, talking about your connection to Hampton Roads and Norfolk State specifically. Gosh, Hampton Roads and Norfolk State. So originally I'm from New York City. Okay. I was um, born and raised in Harlem and I came down to Norfolk when I was about 21 with my high school sweetheart. And eventually I made my way to Norfolk State after going to TCC and getting a science degree there um, to pursue a biology degree. So that's how I got here. Um, And of course there's a whole lot that happened in between, Mm -hmm. but um, I made it here. um, And during COVID, I actually re-enrolled in Norfolk State um, because I lost my job. Oh, well, a lot of people did. Yeah, right. I lost my job. And um, so I took that as an opportunity for me to kind of move forward into something that I've wanted to do because I was kind of working day to day and I didn't feel like I had time to do anything else. Um, But that gave me an opportunity to move forward because I was afraid of not having an income. Mm -hmm. But now that I did not at that time, I was like, this is the perfect opportunity. What do I have to lose? I don't have a job right now. So, (laughs) right. Mm -hmm. So, so I know that you're trained as a nurse. So what kind of training do you have in that area? Oh my gosh. So I have worked as a contractor, so to speak, for a lot of my clinical nursing, um, time. And then probably around 2016, I went into a marketing kind of role with nursing. So I did more of admissions and just kind of going into hospitals and um, maybe make, making sure the patients were appropriate for skilled nursing. So I was then considered a liaison. And then I went over into um, a more account, a marketing role. So I was called a um guess I was like an account representative for a company, a home health and hospice company. And I did that up until COVID. And of course, that was numbers based. So Mm -hmm. when there's COVID, we had facilities weren't allowing us in. We couldn't see patients. They weren't really moving patients into facilities, skilled nursing, you know, post acute facilities. And so I was I wasn't meeting my numbers and I didn't have a job. I see. Okay. (laughs) Yes. So basically that your first sort of professional focus was supporting nursing care but you didn't necessarily have to have a degree for that right no that's awesome we've been talking about that a little bit like to let people know there are a wide variety of opportunities and ways to engage in health and healing for Mm -hmm. example and not necessarily have to have that you know a bachelor's degree or advanced degree not that we're not encouraging that because we are I am an academic so you know I have to do that too Mm -hmm. but it's also very I think important to recognize that people can engage at whatever level of skills they have or whatever interest they have in working in health in some way yes absolutely I think I got my um I kind of went into the marketing aspect of it because one of the um, director of nursings that I worked for when I was contracting, she said, you know, um, you have a good personality. You ever thought about doing admissions? And I was like, no. Right. What do I do with that? You know, um, so that's kind of how I got moved into admissions and, and kind of dealing more with people and families and um, the social aspect of what was going on at home. 
you know, well, we don't have the money to pay for this skilled nursing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then I kind of started seeing more the insurance aspect of it and how you had to qualify to get certain things that I kind of felt like on the clinical aspect, I just thought you got. Right. You know, right. right. Um, So that was very, very insightful. And um, it kind of almost put me in a space where I wanted to do more. I wanted to know more. And I started to see the inequities, you know. Right. And it, and it made me upset. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. very upset. And so I kind of started to move into a different direction. And I kind of thought to myself, well, what can I do to be impactful? What can I do to help make this better? And so in my mind, the only thing I've ever wanted to be was a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about my childhood, what, what did I want to be? I wanted to be a doctor. And you mean physician. A physician. Okay. Absolutely. I wanted to be a clinical physician. And um, I said, well, you know, physicians have a voice that maybe nurses don't have. I think people respect physicians in a different way. Even when I would interact with patients, you know, they would come, the physicians would come in and it was almost like a fear, right? right? right. They didn't want to ask the doctor questions. And so they, I would come in after the doctor and they say, well, what do you think about this? And I'm like, the doctor just left. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't ask the doctor. Right. But, you know, I'm so glad you were saying, because we were talking a little bit earlier um, about my career path. Yes. And I started out wanting to be a physician as well, in part because I didn't know what the alternatives were. Right. And I ended up in public health because it's a better match for me. So those aspects of care that you're talking about access to care access to insurance Mm -hmm. communications I mean people who are trained in public health focus on that aspect so that the physicians and the nurses and the pharmacists and the people who are providing the care can do that part right so it's really great to know I'm so glad that you have sort of I guess you some folks have helped you right sort of identify what are your strengths and what are what are you really good at and then thought about well what are the types of things that people can do that match with that that's a really great way to have success actually absolutely I don't know if you remember I was in Dr. Haynes's seminar class yes you came in to speak that was the very first time I heard of public health I was like oh what is this Right. And since then, you know, I've continued on with my biology journey Mm -hmm. and um, we just came back from Abercrombs, which is a conference that was held in California, which was great. Okay, let's let's back up just a little bit. Okay. Okay. So you're a biology major. I am. And what year? Senior. Senior. Yes. Okay. And so now, so how did you find out about this opportunity? How were you able to go and then tell us about it? Okay, so um, I did an internship with Dr. Barexi. He's a genetics professor in the biology department and um, during his class after we kind of left I knew I needed um, more I needed some experience with research Mm -hmm. and so um, during that class I said hey Dr. B you got any research I can do this summer so last summer which just passed 2022 um, he allowed me and a couple other students to work in the phage discovery lab okay now, see, again, you have to define <laughs> terms because I don't know what phage means. <laughs> so phage is um, a short term for bacteriophage. And so a bacteriophage is a bacteria that, well, it's really, uh, it's, it's what kills viruses. I'll okay. say that. So they okay. attach to the virus and inject their DNA into the virus and um, kill it pretty much. So um, 
so we've been working on that stuff all summer and we got to present our work at Abercrombie. So we had to submit an abstract to say, hey, this is what, what we were doing. The abstract was accepted. And then we went to Anaheim to present. We had to make posters and come up with a very good spiel on what we did that made sense, of course. So mm-hmm. um, that's pretty much how I got there. Nice. Yes. And they funded everything, right? They funded that's- everything. Well, part of it was we had to apply for a travel grant. Okay. And with the travel grant, um, you got... You got accepted for either housing, airfare, all of the above, registration. So it really just depended on what they felt they could provide you based on what you told them. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get full airfare and travel, well, airfare and housing and Norfolk State, some kind of way through the biology department, found a way to fund my registration, which was like $500. -hmm. Um, So that was a, it was an amazing experience. While we were there, there was uh, what they had, an exhibition hall, which had schools from all over the country, all different disciplines. It was a bit overwhelming. I'll Mm -hmm. be honest with you. Mm -hmm. It was so much information, so many opportunities that Everyone that was kind of in our group, they went to different places and different stations and they're like, oh, my God, I never knew about this. I'm like rethinking my life. Right. (laughs) Well, and that I am just so, again, very excited to have you here because these are the kind of opportunities, I think, because sometimes students aren't familiar with them. They don't take advantage. But you did the exact right thing because that is one of the exact benefits is it can open open up your view of what's possible, what's available, you know, so did you go to any sessions other than the posters? So they had some keynote speakers. Mm -hmm. One of the keynote speakers was Mae Jameson. She was an astronaut, the first black woman in space. Mm -hmm. And it it was amazing. Then there was another speaker. His name was Olajide Williams. He's a neurologist at Columbia University, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he he had his under well, he did his master's in public health, which I thought was great because now he has this whole uh, curriculum that he's helped to kind of roll out into public schools about stroke, about, um, gosh, there's so much salt intake, Mm -hmm. healthier food choices. Mm -hmm. And I think that inspired me in a very different way. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's something about public health as well, which, again, is about. Um, the health of communities as well as individuals is about prevention. It's it's about sciences, but it's also about health promotion. It covers a wide variety of disciplines, right? So you can do yes. environmental sciences, maternal and child health, if you're good at math, biostatistics, or right. you know you can focus on health policy, health management. It's it's kind of broad, which also gives a lot of opportunity. Right. And so you do see um, a good number of professionals who pair their original training in biology or neurosciences or whatever it is with public health and then that combination is what they take out into the community to do policy development or advocacy or as you said health education absolutely absolutely well um the funny thing about this journey is that i have decided this week um you know just kind of thinking about my experiences thinking about my life trying to reevaluate you know based on my values where I need to be Mm -hmm. because ultimately I mean I've kind of had a career you Mm -hmm. know and so what I want to do now is focus on a career that is meaningful to me you know nursing was extremely meaningful I had an opportunity to help people at one level but I think there's so much more beyond that that I could be effective in helping to you know, just kind of move some things in a different direction, affecting a population, a community, you know, a country based on things that I've seen and experienced 
in my own life, you know, growing up in more of an underrepresented, um, gosh, and I didn't population, even, population or, group, or community, community. Mm-hmm. I didn't really realize that I was poor until I was in high school. But my parents managed well, you know, we had a lot of we had all of what we needed and some of what we wanted. And I think that maybe it, it forced me into a space growing up and being an adult and now having children to say, wow, you know, and looking at things from a very different perspective now because I'm outside of that environment. And just looking back and thinking of all the things that we didn't have access to, I didn't really think that I could do or think that was allowed for me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, I hear now a lot. I didn't think I deserved a seat at that table. Right. And so I've kind of come into a space and I think every black woman or male should be in an HBCU. It is an experience that it is very empowering because you realize, well, hey, people like me are doing this, you know, and it kind of gives you a battery to keep going and doing more and maybe exploring, thinking with inside of yourself, like, wow, what can I do and how can I do it? Right. Because you feel like you have the power to get it done. Right. Because you do. So I'm here to tell you (laughs) (laughs) that my colleagues and I and faculty and staff are here because we believe that you can. We know you can. Yes. So for anybody listening out there, yes, you can. So let's go. Let's go ahead and get it done. Okay. (laughs) But what I'm hearing from you, too, is professor. So that was a really good explanation, just so you know. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to be an academic, let's get the doctorate and we'll come Ah. on back and teach and do research and all that. But. I'm so glad you talked about health equity or disparities because in my experience with research, you know, what I've become frustrated with is that we talk about disparities in relation to a particular group. So it's always white people, right? Right. (laughs) Nothing against white people, but there's always the comparison. Right. And when you say poor, really what you're talking about is a lack of access in some kind of way to economic resources. Right. So my parents were high school teachers. We didn't have extra money, right. but I read at an early age, they had me out going to free parks and museums across the state of North Carolina because I was mm-hmm. born in North Carolina. Again, I didn't consider myself poor. I, it was exactly what you said, right? right. You know, and probably lower middle income if by the numbers. In other words, the numbers don't exactly t- tell you the person's experience. Right. So so I think we need to be a little bit more descriptive <laughs> about what we're talking Absolutely. about. Right. Because there is a definition of poor in terms of income, but it doesn't mean that you aren't a bright, engaging, curious person who can't do, you know, who can you, it doesn't mean that you're not all of that, all that you need to be. Right. To do what you want to do, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, we're going to have to work on that. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, words matter. So they we're just going to have to make sure. I don't know. So anybody out there who wants to work on that, you let me know. Publichealth.nsu.edu. <laughs> we, need to work. we need to do something a, do. a bit about that. Because to me, what I've been thinking about is I think the, the reference should be the optimal outcome. You know, we can't eliminate all disease. So what is the rate of diabetes that we think would be optimal in our community? Right. And it's not in comparison to another group. Right. It's saying to have a healthy community, 
or to have healthy and you know to have a healthy community what would be the the again the prevalence of that right. in the community and then work towards that so it's not always a feeling as though we're behind because there's a disparity because there's a gap in the outcome right and you can still pursue the gap but frame it in a way that's different and i think that would be more energizing to folks who tend to be on the negative end of those disparity comparisons absolutely Absolutely. That does bring me, um, it brings a, it brings me back to a class that I took here, African-American health. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that African-American health specifically focused on um, disparities, inequities. And one of the things that I remember taking that class is we had to go out into the community and identify a supermarket in a underrepresented community mm-hmm. and go to that same supermarket in a area that was considered more affluent affluent mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> and when I did that I went right here in Norfolk State's community mm-hmm. you know downtown Norfolk in this area and can I tell you knowing hearing is one thing and actually knowing and doing and experiencing mm-hmm. I was floored the produce section was like as big as this desk right, right you know you had basic apples oranges bananas grapes when I went over into Hilltop mm-hmm. to this very same grocery store, mm-hmm. the produce section wrapped around half the building. And I mean, I was just kind of in a space and I was like, this is not wow. right. This yes. is not right. Right. And there are lots of reasons. And let me also clarify is the comparison is usually white people because their outcomes are better. Right. So whatever comparison you have, what I'm arguing is that perhaps comparison is not necessarily the best way to think about it. I agree. That's all that's I agree. all I'm saying. Because like you were saying, it's also so affluent communities are communities that, that are richer and can afford to pay higher prices right. and have incentives for these companies to do something a different way. Right. They have different outcomes than communities that don't. Mm-hmm. So that's really what the comparison is about. Yes. Yes. But, but I know that um, there's been an effort to form a, uh, a Norfolk Food Policy Council in this area. Mm-hmm. I think Dr. Leslie Hoagland, who has been a guest on the show before, is one of the leaders of that. And it's in recognition that at the same time that there are a lot of resources in this area, there are also people who are food insecure. Yes. And they are really trying to think about that. There are food deserts, which you know means that there's not access to high-quality, fresh you know, food on a daily basis for lots of communities in this area. And that needs to be, that needs to change. And so. I agree. Right. I do agree. Nice. (laughs) So what was the most challenging thing about presenting and going and doing something that you hadn't done before? Hmm. I think the most challenging thing was maybe not presenting for me. I don't usually worry about talking to people. Mm -hmm. Maybe the most challenging thing was being in a space where I didn't know what to expect. You know, just kind of you get your nerves worked up about what to expect, not going into a territory that's unknown. And so being that this was my first time going, I was like, okay, well, what do I expect? What do I expect? And so everyone's perspective is different. People that have gone before um, as a student or as a professor their experiences are different from my experience. So that was probably the most challenging part when I got there. Um, I try not to overthink situations. So I just kind of live in the moment a lot when it comes down to things like that. It helps me keep my nerves together. Um, 
but I think that was pretty much, and then maybe the network as networking aspect of it wasn't as challenging for me as other people's because, because I have a marketing kind of background. That was probably the biggest challenge of my life being in marketing because it forced me to step outside of where I was, you know? Hmm. Um, and I think it's been beneficial because I've traditionally been a person that kind of kept to myself. And most people now will look at me and say, really? Right. <laughs> uh, yes, I was a loner a lot of my life because I just, you know, I was, I internalized things. Um, now I'm probably more of an ambivert. Mm -hmm. And so. I'm sorry, a what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so instead of an introvert where you kind of get your energy from being internal and by yourself or an extrovert uh -huh. who likes a lot of people, you know, you get out, you want to have a lot of groups of people surrounding you and go out and have fun. I'm like that person that kind of meets the two in the middle. Okay. So I can go out and enjoy people and, you know, have fun and engage, but then I have to go home and stay <laughs> and, for and a few reset, days right? and reset, <laughs> you know, uh, take a break, put my phone on, do not disturb. I need a moment. Right. No, <laughs> I, I've never heard that term before. And it's interesting that, that you use that because, first of all, I do think recognizing your patterns is important <laughs> because then you will actively do what you need to to reset. Yes. And rather than just following the group or, you know, whatever's popular on TV, don't do that. Figure out your own personality and what you need to do. Um, because I'm an introvert. And people and I have I tested in high school and then I tested 15 years later. Same result. Introvert all the way over. Really? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Because it's the recharge thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I enjoy being with people, but I do hit my moment of, OK, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And then I need to <laughs> go you right. know, again, be by myself, reset. Yes. And as long as I know that, then I can make sure to you know, to manage it. <laughs> you might be like me. Right. So that's, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to look up that term. You might be an introvert. <laughs> yes. So another th way that we engaged, um, so I did do the presentation for Dr. Haynes biology class, which was awesome. And then um, I came back to Dr. Haynes and said, hey, we're searching for a new dean for the Joint School of Public Health Initiative between Norfolk well, State University, Old Dominion, and EVMS. And we put together a group of community members and students um, to talk with the candidates who were the finalists. And you volunteered. So why did you volunteer? Well, I think that there, so for me, I feel like the more that I can get engaged in as it relates to things that affect a lot of people, it, it would help me find my niche, right? Like the thing that I'm supposed to do. And so um, I've always liked to kind of, be in spaces with people that know more than me. You know, I've always pulled from people that have lots of experiences. I want to know, you know, I want to talk to you. I want to know what you've been through. I, I get recharged by hearing your experiences. And, and then I also find that you find similarities in people that you had no idea. And it has nothing to do with your race or it has nothing to do with your sex. And it has nothing to do with your socioeconomic status. It's just people mm -hmm. and experiences and we can kind of connect that way so I said this would be a good opportunity for me to kind of you know see what else is going on mm -hmm. and I think I had an amazing time the community partners um and it's funny because one of the the ladies I don't know if you recall um I believe she represented Chesapeake Health Department if I'm not mistaken but Phyllis mm -hmm. she was my Stoneburger I think Sto 
she was my, when I worked in Obasi, she was my um, nursing executive. She was our R. Really? Yes. I was like, is that Phyllis? Oh, my God. But, you know, I had to keep it all lame because yeah, right. we were in a, <laughs> I'm a student. I'm, yes, I'm a student. I get you. I'm keeping it together. <laughs> uh, but she was amazing. She was absolutely amazing in, you know, on the healthcare side of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, wow, outstanding leader. But it, so it was an opportunity for me to kind of engage with people that are doing things actively in the community and then find out more about this public health thing yes. that you introduced me to. And I was like, hmm, kind of stuck out. You know, well, and that's a great way to do it. So, again, you're interviewing leaders in the field, right, Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't have made it to the finalist level if they didn't have contributions to public health. And like you said, it's to see and be seen. Yes. Right. So you met people who may have you in mind later right, for opportunities when they're um, even beyond being a representative from Norfolk State. So what was one thing that you learned about public health or schools of public health or being a candidate? Like what was something that one of the candidates did that was really effective? Well, I think that when I think of all the candidates, one of the things that stuck out to me is the fact that they all kind of had a hand in helping um really a student population of some sort. You know, I remember there were a couple candidates that um, created grants to help students research. Mm-hmm. They created things that students needed. Mm-hmm. And I think that was big because I feel like as a student, sometimes we feel so confined. Well, I can't do this because this isn't available at my school or I can't do this. When in actuality, if you talk to the right people, you may have it available. And so I think that stuck out to me the most because Um, It was just truly one of the candidates said, I think I asked him a question and I can't recall the question, but he said that when when he was younger, he did things to help himself. You know, he was he had to reach a certain level. And now currently he was in a state where he needed to help other people. And so that kind of really resonated with me. I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. This public health thing is important. <laughs> it's, very, it's very powerful. <laughs> it's very powerful. And then you have levels of um, people that are super passionate about things. And whether it be, you know, cancer, whether it be uh, food, or maybe it was something else like um, health equities. Or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, it was just you had to be passion driven about that thing because otherwise you wouldn't do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so because it's definitely not something. Well, I think we all kind of get some sort of a um, some kind of a maybe you feel good about helping people and things of that nature. But I think public health is a little different. You don't just do public health because you want to do you do public health because you want to really make an impact. Yeah, I, I think that's you absolutely know? true. That's very insightful that you pick that up mm-hmm. for sure. And I and I do think as a little trick for folks. You know, if you ever had to have a chance to participate in a selection committee, do it because you also learn, oh, well, that wasn't quite as effective in terms of presentation or that was really good. Like you learn lessons for yourself, actually, as you're pursuing positions. So Mm -hmm. if it resonated with you, then the next opportunity you have to go for a job interview, you know what to do to resonate with that selection committee, right? You can learn those lessons as well. This is true. But I'm so glad you picked up because it's true. It's not that other fields aren't passionate about helping people, but I do think there's some self-selection for public health that people who go into public health typically are driven, mission-driven. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've I've encountered a lot of nurses that are nurses because they went to school to become a nurse, Mm -hmm. which is great. But then, you know, they get into the field and they don't really have the caring, compassionate nursing um ideals that you would think Mm -hmm. um 
maybe public health is the same, but I just, like I said, I feel like they're definitely mission driven. It's because you choose to kind of be in public health. Mm -hmm, It's not mm -hmm. one of those very um, publicized things and not, not in my life. It wasn't, well, you we're, know, we're working on that. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to say, we know that the large majority of our nurses go into health for the same reason, but you know, you were engaged around the pandemic and there was a lot of burnout for everybody. I Absolutely. think on that. So we, we really appreciate our nurses. So thank you so much, Afia, for being with me here today and talking about all the, your experiences and the insights that you have are really the things that people can think about in terms of success for students. So congratulations to you for being an awesome student and thank you for being here. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. I'm Dr. Felicia Mebbin and this is Health Healing and Hampton Roads.